Welcome everyone to another episode of the Defend the Hill podcast. This podcast is dedicated to capturing the stories of former Oak Hill High School athletes, coaches, and support personnel. Each week we sit down with a guest to hear their story and to also take a moment to highlight a historical Oak Hill team of the week. We thank all the sponsors that allow for this show to happen. Today's episode is made possible by Compass Ministries. Today's episode is sponsored by Compass Ministries. Whether it is Compass Family, Compass Community, Compass College Age Ministry, or Compass Worship, our desire is to provide events, resources, and opportunities that will introduce, strengthen, and empower you to make Jesus Christ the main focus of every aspect of your life. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at CompassJN146 or join us for Compass Worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roseburg Event Center. We have a great show lined up for you today with Jim Law as our guest. Coach Law is a member of the Grant County Sports Hall of Fame, the Taylor University Athletics Hall of Fame, and the Indiana Football Hall of Fame. He won 168 games between his time as head football coach at Oak Hill and Taylor University. Coach Law was an instrumental member of the Indiana Football Coaches Association and started a Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapter at Oak Hill that grew into one of the largest chapters in the country. I look forward to speaking with Coach Jim Law here in a few minutes. But before we get to our guest, it's time to highlight our AgriGreen Team of the Week. We thank AgriGreen for sponsoring our Team of the Week each episode as we highlight a historical Oak Hill team. The AgriGreen team has a passion for all things farming and farm management. AgriGreen has fun doing what they do and believe their services and products are practical and make their customers money. They use practical agronomy with years of experience and data as the basis to drive seed selection, fertility recommendations, and chemical and input programs for each individual farm. They can also help you with your land ownership goals and management needs. Visit agrigreen.com to find out more. That's A-G-R-I-Green.com. All right, the Aggregate Team of the Week this week is the 1992 Oak Hill Boys Cross Country Team. This team won the Grant Four Championship, the Three Rivers Conference, the Sectional Championship, and a Regional Championship in the single-class sport of cross country. In that sectional championship race at Tipton High School, Oak Hill had five runners finish in the top ten, with Brent Grogan winning the race. The Regional Championship was held at Manchester, and Oak Hill had four runners place in the top ten, and Brent Grogan won the individual championship. The semi-state race was held at Manchester as well, and Oak Hill had three runners finish in the top 16, with Grogan finishing in second. This result led Oak Hill to the state championship meet, where they finished seventh of all teams. Winners of the state championship that year were Portage High School. At the state championship meet, Brent Grogan led the Eagles with a 23rd place finish. Mark Cabe finished in 60th. Evan Heipel finished in 70th. Don Burke was 71st, and Kevin Tusi was 81st to round out the scoring for Oak Hill. Brent Grogan was also awarded the Charles Moss Mental Attitude Award at the 1992 state meet. Each episode, our good friends at Milk and Honey Coffee Company are sponsoring a trivia question of the week. The first person to visit Milk and Honey with the correct answer will win a free drink, any size, any flavor. Milk and Honey Coffee Company is a coffee shop serving locally roasted coffee, baked goods, and lots of love. Located in the heart of Converse, Indiana, Milk and Honey is a proud supporter of the Oak Hill community. Stop in to see Bridget Boswell and the crew Monday through Friday from 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 to 10 a.m. 
Don't forget that the first person to tell the Milk and Honey staff the correct answer of this week's trivia question will receive a drink of their choice, any size and any flavor. Visit Milk and Honey at 202 North Jefferson Street in downtown Converse today. All right, your Milk and Honey trivia question of the week this week. Who has the most career points for Oak Hill Boys track and field? Again, who has the most career points for Oak Hill Boys track and field? If you know the answer, head into Milk and Honey, the first one there with the right answer. We'll get a free drink in each size, any flavor. Sponsoring today's guest portion of the show is Meadowmere Meats. As a local farm and meat supplier to the Grant County area, Meadowmere Meats is proud to offer high-quality premium meats to our community. Once you taste the difference, you will understand the value in choosing only Meadowmere Meats to fill your freezer. Visit MeadowmereMeats.com to place your order. Once again, that website is MeadowmereMeats.com. Visit Meadowmere Meats today. All right, everyone, we got a great show for you today with Coach Jim Law as our guest. Now, Coach Law has a fantastic resume that started at Oak Hill and then went on to Taylor University, where he was the head football coach. Coach Law grew up in Tipton and was a graduate of Tipton High School, where he was the quarterback on the football team and played basketball, golf, and track and field. He then went on to Indiana University, where he was named Outstanding Male Student and rode on the winning Little 500 bicycle team his senior year. Coach Law became an assistant football coach at Oak Hill High School in 1960 and served as the head coach from 1963 to 1981, where he won 127 games, was six conference championships, 15 winning seasons, and led the 1976 Oak Hill football team to the Final Four. His historic 1969 and 1970 teams went undefeated and outscored their opponents by a combined score of 742 to 20. <laughs> coach Law became the head coach at Taylor University in 1982 and retired after the 1990 season. In his final five seasons at Taylor, he produced the most successful five-year run in school history when his teams won a combined 31 games and Coach Law was named the NAIA District Coach of the Year three times. Coach Law was instrumental in the growth of high school football in Indiana. He sat on the committees that helped develop the state's first postseason state tournament and served on several other organization committees during his coaching career. Perhaps his greatest accomplishment was establishing a Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapter at Oak Hill High School that once grew to be the fourth largest in the country. Coach Law and his wife, Sybil, have three sons, Bart, Brad, and Todd, and several grandchildren. Coach Law, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Brad. It's a privilege to be here. That was quite the resume you had, <laughs> but it all started in Tipton. So what was it like growing up as a Blue Devil in Tipton, Indiana? Oh, you know, it's just like uh, I think any kid that loves sports. Uh, uh, we uh, just, uh, I, I grew up. Uh, I had the best basketball court uh, right outside my door uh, where I lived. Uh, it was the place where everybody came to, to shoot hoops. And um, so I played a lot of basketball, uh, put the spotlights up from the upstairs windows so we could shoot at night and uh, uh, got into uh, every sport I could. I couldn't wait from when one sport ended uh, I was ready to go and, and uh, play the next. And so uh, just a great childhood. Your start in coaching 
started in 1960. So what brought you to Oak Hill High School in 1960 to serve as a teacher and assistant coach? Uh, I had just gotten out of the military. Uh, Sybil, my wife, uh, is a Marion grad. I've held that against her my entire <laughs> life. And, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and I had a job in Florida uh, where I was going to go down and uh, uh, teach in the junior high. Didn't really have any coaching responsibility with that. I wanted to coach. And uh, my brother-in-law, Sybil's uh, uh, brother, uh, told me that Oak Hill had a, a job opening, and uh, I was able to get an interview and uh, uh, ended up uh, teaching uh, biology and general science my first three years there. Well, very good. Well, thank you for your service for our country. You're welcome. And um, the Oak Hill community is very glad that you chose to come to Oak Hill instead of Florida. So your first three years... On the football staff, 1960, 1961, and 1962, you were an assistant. And then in 1963, you interviewed and were named the next head football coach. What was your reaction when you found out that you were given the job as head coach? I honestly was surprised, mainly because uh, there's, a, there's a couple side stories to how this all happened. Uh, I didn't set out to be a football coach. I loved basketball, played quarterback at uh, Tipton. But uh, uh, I wanted to be a basketball coach. So when I hired in at Oak Hill, uh, I wasn't hired in in football. I uh, hired in as the uh, seventh grade basketball coach and varsity assistant in track. So, uh, uh, but the head football coach was a part of the interviewing team when I interviewed. And the very first day that the teachers reported uh, before the students did, uh, Virgil Landry, who was the head coach, came up to me and he said, Jim, you got, I've got a proposition for you. But he goes, I don't know if you're interested or not, but he goes, I've talked to Mr. Dubois, who was our superintendent at that time, said, I need somebody to help, help Lou Schneider coach our freshman football team. But he goes, Jim, I know you've got some experience in the game. Love to have you, but there'll not be a dime said, I, I'd love to have you for whatever you can do. And I said, well, I think I better go home and talk to my wife about this. And Sybil was always so supportive of anything I wanted to do as my coaching career. said, Jim, if that's something you want to do, do it. And so I coached the entire first year at Oak Hill for nothing. <laughs> coached football for nothing. And the next year they hired me uh, on, and then uh, the rest is history. The rest is history. So we'll talk a lot about your Oak Hill football coaching career. You mentioned that you coached basketball and track. What all sports did you coach during your time at Oak Hill? Coached basketball, coached football, coached track. I was a head track coach for a while and was a head golf coach. So I coached four sports. And that was back when golf was in the spring and baseball was in the summer, is that correct? Yeah, golf was in the spring and baseball okay. was in the summer back okay. then. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, you were known for being a great coach. You did a variety of coaching, uh, you coached a variety of sports, but football is what you're most known for. So when you became the head coach of Oak Hill High School in 1963, what were some of the offensive and defensive philosophies that you wanted to install right away in the program? Well, there's a, there's a story with this that not very many people will remember, 
But uh, Virgil Landry, who had been the uh, coach the three years uh, that I was an assistant, he ran a uh, a single wing type offense back then. Now the T formation had it, it was a thing, but it was with two tight ends and a fullback and two halfbacks set back there. And I had played as a, a T formation quarterback, so I I knew a little bit about that. But uh, the Oak Hill program w- was running a single wing type offense where you snap the ball back to the uh, tailback and you got a fullback and you got a wing up in there. It's uh, And so I didn't want to change everything. And so the first year or two, we tried that just me being me and uh, a little crazy on doing some things. We would line up and nobody straddled the football as a center. It was set up. Our, our center would line up just to the left of the ball and our right guard would line up just right of the ball. And depending upon what formation we had called in the huddle, on a sound, if we were going to go T formation, why we moved over and the center snapped the ball because single wing is an unbalanced line. And so if we were going to then go with the uh, single wing, the guard position, who we really played two centers, would snap, come over and snap it back. Well, that was okay. It wasn't <laughs> the best. Uh, it, it didn't really catch on and go very far. Yeah. And then we became a, a, a straight T team from then on. So what memories do you have of your first game as the head coach? It was against Fairmount, and Oak Hill won 20-7. Do you have any memories of that first head coaching victory that you had? You know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That was Think six, how many years ago I'm sitting here. I'm, 80, I'm 87 years old. No, I don't remember that game at all. 60 years ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 60 years ago, you guys beat Fairmount to open the season. <laughs> and then in 1963, your first year, you had a really good season. You guys went 6-3. and three. Uh, Team captains that year were Chris Gutierrez. And again, you beat Fairmount in the first game 20-7. to seven. So your first season's under your belt. And then that started really the, the defining time of kill football uh, early on with some great seasons. One of the best teams that you had early on in your career was the 1966 team. And that team, you guys went 8-1 and one and won the conference championship for the first time. What were some memories that you have of that 1966 team? Um, you know, the uh, back then... I've said, I've told this group of kids, I'm not sure it was even 66. Uh, see, I was there in 63. The, the, the football season of 64, I might have had the best group of athletes I ever coached at any level. I think we were 7-2. and two. You were 7-2. and two. You outscored your opponents that year, 280-76. to 76. Yeah, we, were re- we really had a good football team. Uh, fast, uh, strong kids. Uh, that was when we had just started our weight program out there. Uh, uh, I think that uh, that that right there, the weight program, uh, defined us and our success uh, more than any single thing that uh, uh, took place in my coaching career for quite a while. And uh, I think probably we were one of the first probably first five teams in the state 
to have a weight program. We were lifting manhole covers. We were putting cement in in cans and sticking them on pipes. We didn't have money to buy <laughs> the weights, but uh, uh, the, but the uh, that that '68 team was a really good football team too. Yeah. So, what was the inspiration for you to get the weight training program going? Did you know somebody that was doing it, or is this all your idea? Or talk me through that. It's a it's a, it's. A, I'll try to make a long story short. But back in uh, early in my career, uh, Eastern High School had a had a football coach by the name of Jim Callaway. He had come from Arkansas and uh, was way ahead of what football was in Indiana. Uh, of course, uh, South had had football for years and years and years. And uh, they at one time uh, had the uh, longest winning streak uh, in the state of Indiana. I think they won something like 35 or 36 ball games in a row in which we were a part of that string for them. Uh, and uh, but he and I became friends, except on the Friday night that we were playing. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was traveling with him to a clinic down at Richmond, Indiana. It was just the two of us in the car, and he was driving. And I finally said to him, I said, uh, Callaway, I said, you you know something? You're doing something different than the rest of us. And he never said a word. He just kept driving. <laughs> and I said, Jim, you going to tell me, or you just? He goes. What are you doing Monday evening or Monday uh, last period of the day? I said, I've got planning period. He said, if you can talk your principal into uh, uh, getting come over to school. So I went up. Bill Jones was the principal and a great supporter of our program. I said, Bill, here's the deal. And he said, yeah, you, we don't even have to cover anything for you. you <laughs> go ahead and go. So went over there and here they were. He had on a, on a, uh, the entire length of the gym, he had, uh, individual wrestling mats, about eight or nine of them. And every, uh, one of those mats had three different weight, weights, uh, heavier weight, medium weight. And they were all doing, they would all do a lift at the same time. It was timed upon his command. They would move to the next station and then to the next station and he goes, Jim, this, this is it right here. I came back to Oak Hill and uh, talked to my AD and principal, got the approval, and uh, that was the, the, the creation of, of the football program at, at Oak Hill. And probably was the – I look at it as maybe one of the, the, the paramount things that gave us success. Our kids were always – uh, the old saying goes, bigger, faster, stronger. Right. And um, uh, gave us an edge. And I don't think Eastern community will ever thank uh, their former coach for giving you the secret <laughs> because you laid some brutal beatdowns on the comments <laughs> over the years. Well, that's a great story to hear about what was one of the many competitive edges that Oak Hill football had in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s. So we're going to miss... We're going to miss some teams here as we recap your career. There's just so many great seasons to look through. But as we're still in the 60s, just to highlight some of the records, you went 6-3 and three in your first year. And then in 1964, we talked about that really good 7-2 and two team. In 65, you guys went 4-3 and three with two ties. That 1966 team that I brought up went 8-1, and one, and you won the conference championship. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick story on yeah. that. 
uh, we had a really good football team, and we were undefeated. And we, uh, I think Northwestern's a team that beat us. Yeah. And it was over there, and, and we shouldn't have lost that ball game. We were a better football team. And I had a great bunch of kids. And um, uh, they were just heart sick to lose that ball game. And uh, uh, one of the things that we always did, and I, I did it pretty much throughout my career, uh, we coaches were the last ones to leave a locker room because we would get uh, uh, we would take uh, our own mops and and uh, brooms and things. And my goal was to always leave that locker room in better shape than when we found it. And so we were getting off, getting on the bus after the kids were pretty quiet. And I got on the bus, and I don't know what made me say it. I hadn't planned it. But I looked at them, and I could see the hurt. And I said, guys, you never know how bad you want something till you can't have it. And I don't know how many of that group of kids throughout the years have said, Coach, I've never forgotten that. And it's uh, helped build some of the things in my life. Then you realize, obviously, what you're doing is so much bigger than oh, just the game of football. Yeah, it really is. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. And that was a good Northwestern program uh, that had some su- success in the 60s and 70s. You guys lost that game 20-12 to 12 for, again, that only loss of that year. And kind of what we're leading, leading towards is that historic 1969-70 and 70 run. So the 1968 team went 7-2, and two, where they outscored their opponents 217 the 67, and then that led to the first undefeated season of your career in 1969. That 1969 team won the conference championship, outscored their opponents 348 to 13. The captains on the team were Don Hogan, Mike Henderson, and Kim Jones. So we'll talk about the 1969 and 70 teams kind of together. So the 1970 team the next year also went 9 and 0. They outscored their opponents 394 to 7. Again, that was 394 to 7. And that still gives you chuckles, I can tell. <laughs> you guys won the conference championship. Captains of the 1970 undefeated team were Monty Tao, Jay Hayes, and Gary Dedeker. So 1969-1970 combined 18 and 0. Just an unbelievable group of guys that you coached. What were some of the memories of those two teams and what made them different than teams before them and even some afterwards? You know, I, I probably coached uh, better teams athletically. Never coached anything close to it with the competitive desire that that bunch of kids had. Um, and... Um, we were uh, at that time uh, doing. Uh, I had a great staff uh, at that time. It uh, had uh, Lou Schneider, who was uh, my right hand guy ever since the, my first job there uh, at Oak Hill. Steve Tuttle and I think David Prickett, Pete Beck, and we got into scouting uh, very, very uh, specific tendencies. Uh, particularly when it came to scouting another team's offense. Uh, coaches are, are absolutely uh, creatures of habit. And 
certain formations, we could just tell our kids they're, they're not going to throw the ball. They've, they've played six games. They've never once <laughs> thrown the ball out of this formation. Or they're in this formation, they're going to go here. Well, we would put together a scouting report. It might have 15, 16, 20 pages. Every Monday morning when I'd walk into school with those, I'd have 10 or 15 of those kids meeting me at the back door waiting on that scouting mm-hmm. report. And Charlie Hope was the math teacher and had most of those kids in the first uh, uh, period of class. He finally said, Law, I might as well not even be teaching class. <laughs> he said, those kids are sitting there with their nose <laughs> in that scouting <laughs> report. But they were uh, uh, extremely competitive, uh, and they became very uh, – they were just great hitters defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just had – we had good kids that, that – uh, that bought into everything we were doing. Um, I had, like I said, had a great coaching staff. One of the things I always tried to do was let my coaches coach. And uh, uh, I, I've got to tell you, it was an interesting um, uh, ride as a coach. I think I probably felt more stress, particularly during that second year, than I've ever felt as a coach because I knew – the only way we're going to get beat is if I screwed it up Mm. because those kids were going to come to play. And so I was just every last little detail. We as a staff were working on it. And, um, uh, when it was all over, it took me a while and into the next year and realized, Jim, you just missed the greatest ride that you could ever have because I was so concentrating on the next thing rather than just truly, uh, enjoying the moment. Yeah. Uh, and so I, that I, there's a regret there. I wish I could go back and just really celebrate with that bunch of kids more uh, on the night of a game uh, than we did. But what a ride. I mean, it was amazing. It was uh, from 1968 to 1971. You ran off a 20-game win streak, and you talked about the tension to detail to try to put the kids in the best situation to succeed. And you had some really good players all throughout your career. During that 1969-1970 run, uh, the following players were named either All-State or North-South All-Stars. That would be Mike Henderson, John Hogan, Jay Hayes, Dave Shellen, and Monty Tao. And this is a group that back in 1969 and 70, high school football was one class. Or... There was no uh, state playoffs. Right. And so the Associated Press were the ones to determine the state champions. These might have been two teams that, if they're playing in today's There's situation, no doubt these in are my state mind. championship no teams. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we would have won the state championships both years. I think we would have won them by a, a wide margin. Yeah. You gave up three touchdowns in two seasons. Again, a total <laughs> of 20 points defensively given up between the 1969 and 1970 teams. Now, that was a great two-year run, but not even where close to the total career that you had at Oak Hill. In 1972, your team went 8-1, and and you only gave up 75 points all year. You won the conference again. Captains of that 1972 team were Mike Boswell, Mike Schaefer, and Sandy Wary. And the only loss you had that year was a 7-14 loss to Northwestern. 
a really good 1972 team. Any memories from that team that won the conference? Yeah, the the thing I remember there was uh, Bozzi was a uh, we could play him at any position. Uh, I think I could have played him at center. I think we played him at tight end. Uh, we we had an injury and we put him at fullback, and uh, they were uh, yeah that was a good football team. We had some really good kids. We we kind of had a thing going, uh, a little bit of a of a side note. Uh, I was put in a position uh, three or four times throughout my career that I just I don't think it's happenstance. I think the Lord puts me in positions to, to be in the right spot. But uh, I was in a position back uh, for those sixty nine seventy teams. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the FCA. And we would take large buses of kids. Uh, we started finally going to St. Olaf College up in Minnesota every year. Well, early in when we were doing that, I, I became a close friend of Bill McCartney's. And uh, at that time, Bill McCartney was the defensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. Just happened to be in a huddle with him. He and I just clicked. And uh, he sat down and, and taught me how to play the 4-3 with the two-cover in the secondary. He said one day, he said, how much two-cover are you playing? I said, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> and so uh, we were able to uh, – he spent about three nights teaching me the every last little bit of the where your hand goes and your foot goes. And that's one of those positions. And one of the things that I think gave us an edge was when we were finished every year uh, after we were done coaching, we would have a, a couple meetings afterwards. And we always as a staff sit down and said – where do we need to improve? Where can we go and learn from a college, major college, that's really doing what we need help on? And that's what we did. We would, uh, we always went to clinics, but I would call this coach, this, uh, the guys, and I'd say, hey, here I am. This is who I am, small college, high school coach. I'd like to bring my staff down. We'd like to spend two or three days with you. I don't want to really come to your clinic. I want to come and talk to your coaches. I want to watch your coaches coach on the field. We want to learn techniques. And that was such a uh, – uh, gave us an edge. And uh, uh, just uh, had the same thing happen to me with uh, – uh, I was out at Arizona State, and the head coach out there uh, uh, let me come in and watch film because it was during their spring ball. And uh, uh, I was sitting in a dark room watching cut-ups, and a guy comes in, and he's sitting down in the same room. We, we, I was watching on one wall. He was watching on the other. And it was time for lunch, and I turned around and introduced myself, and he goes, uh, I said, I'm Jim Law. At that time, was, uh, I was the head coach at Taylor University. And I said, uh, and he said, well, my name is Jim McNally, and I'm the offensive line coach at the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I got, the bell goes off. Ding. There's a resource here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was able to tap into him uh, and get – I've just been blessed to be at the right place at the right time to learn and get some cutting-edge stuff that I don't think a lot of the other coaches were. And that translated to a lot of success on the field for you. So you mentioned that 1972 team where you won the conference. And in your 18 years of coaching at Oak Hill, you had 15 winning seasons. The three seasons that were not winning seasons happened consecutively in 1973, 
74 and 75 when you went 3 and 7, 3 and 7 and 4 and 6. Before we talk about that final 4 1976 team, what were some of the things that going through your mind as a highly successful coach coming off those 73, 74, 75 seasons where you had good players, but you had three straight losing seasons? What was your mindset? Uh, it was hard. Uh, first of all, uh, our kids weren't used to losing. I definitely wasn't. Uh, and uh, we, we really kind of suffered, I felt, as I analyzed it, uh, the expectations had been set so high with about that, there's about three or four years, that was part of that, uh, those two undefeated teams and yeah. even the next couple years. And the expectations got so high, and the demands we were putting on kids, some of them said, I don't want to do it. Yep. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put myself in that pressure cooker. Right. And so we, uh, some of the better athletes that we had always had, just decided they, they I'm just going to play basketball or I'm going to just concentrate on track or, uh, and, uh, and so I could see that happening, and so I started. Uh, we, we we coaches uh, we started playing sophomores, uh, knowing that <laughs> this isn't going to be a good scene because sophomores never beat seniors. Right. And we built that back up to the what is seventy six team. Yep. And uh, that was a really good. That that those were the kids that were sophomores that we built up to that year. Yeah, and then you went on a, a really good run. Your last six years coaching at Oak Hill, starting with that 1976 team. Now, this 1976 team had an All-State player, John York, on the team. And in 1976, you guys went 10-2 and and won the sectional championship for the first time. You won the conference championship, and you were the first Grant County team to make the playoffs. In the first round of your playoffs, you faced Jim... Jimtown High School, and you beat Jimtown seven to six to win that sectional championship. You went on to the sim, which would now be what we consider the semi-state championship, and you lost to Lafayette Central Catholic fourteen to nothing. Captains of that nineteen seventy six team were Dave Cowan, John York. Lafayette Central Catholic did go on to win the state championship over Lawrenceburg that year. So talk about your first playoff experience and what was that what was that like it was great uh like you had said earlier i I had been a part of the uh uh, the inaugural uh playoff system which is no longer that was back when points and you had to earn points by playing teams and uh it had a lot of flaws but anyway that was what we were playing under uh that uh gymtown game was a really close ball game but what happened to us that year, I really think we had a shot at uh, uh, Lafayette uh, Catholic. But John York got hurt in the next to the last game of our regular season over at Eastern. We lost him for the year. And he was our running back. And uh, we, we just had a really hard time recovering from that. And it really hurt us offensively. We were still playing a lot of good defense. Uh, but uh, – and uh, – yeah, I think we had a. I think we really had a shot at uh, at Central Catholic had we had John. Coach, talk about the community support for that playoff run. What was the crowds like that traveled to watch Oak Hill play? 
The Oak Hill community supported us. I think it's the key to just all of Oak Hill's athletic success. You know, if you if you take a look at Oak Hill, I'm not talking just football. I'm talking every sport. Uh, this community uh, received the benefit of uh, some really good early teams uh, when they first consolidated. And so expectations were were set and this community just bought in. I mean, during, during some of those runs uh, that you're talking about, uh, we were selling season tickets for football and there wasn't a seat to be had. They would, they would be full. And uh, uh, even away from home, some of the, uh, the crowds that we played in front of uh, and um uh, uh, the community sport has just it's been extremely great all the way along. Uh, booster clubs that were supporting us. Uh, Phil Jung, who was our athletic director, uh, was a great innovator on getting some things done and bleachers and selling tickets and booster clubs. And uh, we had a lady that was our cheerleading sponsor back there by the name of Marie Kempfer, and she was just a hoot. <laughs> and uh, uh, she was such a... Uh, a fireball of getting uh, the student body involved. Uh, no, the but between between the community and and the administration at Oak Hill over the years uh, have been a key key component to the success of all sports at Oak Hill. Yeah, well said, Coach. Well said, and they had a lot of success to cheer for on the football field. And your the tail end of your career at Oak Hill had a couple more really good seasons. In 1978, you guys went 8-2 and two and won the conference championship. Team captains that year were Dan Atkins, Keith Mooneyham, and Rick Schwarzy. And then in 1979, you made it back to the postseason. You went 8-3 and three on the season. The captains were Mike Atkins and Toby Middlesworth. And you guys were the sectional runner-up, losing to Hamilton Southeastern in that sectional championship. Any memories from that 1979 game against Hamilton Southeastern? Oh, yeah. Of course, my... My two oldest sons were on that ball team, too. Bart uh, was our uh, quarterback, and Brad was uh, played in our secondary. And uh, uh, that was a close ball game, I think. Uh, what was the, You got the score of that game? I can't remember. It was a close ball game. And, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember it well. It was colder than cold, <laughs> and their coach was over there in shorts. <laughs> and I can still remember that. Uh, but uh, it was a thrill to be able to uh, uh, coach my two sons. It had its pluses and minuses, uh, but uh, it was a it was a thrill to see them have the success that uh, and be a part of those teams. Coach, one thing that you were known for and are still known for is being a great motivator, a great cheerleader. But you always got the best out of your athletes. What were some of the motivation tactics or approaches that you used with your teams? You know, I, Brad, I learned early on. Uh, I can remember the first year or two I was reading motivational things, and this coach did this, and this coach did that, and I'd try them, and they didn't work. And I just finally decided, Jim, just be yourself. And uh, I think that uh, people have asked me over the years, what makes a successful coach and what doesn't? And for a long time, I, I, I didn't have an answer. But I think I do. 
uh, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of coaches that know the game of football. They know the X and O's. They know how to coach the individual skills and the levels. But I think it's a God-given ability to be able to relate to kids and they know you care about them more than just as a football player. And for some reason, some coaches can, kids will run through a brick wall for them. And I don't know that I had any technique. Uh, I was extremely intense as a coach. The kid could read my intensity and my desire to win. My coaches had that same thing. And uh, I think, I, I, do, I really do. I think it was a God-given ability. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one of the signs of your leadership was the fact that you had several assistant coaches that coached with you for many, many seasons. Coaches hey, like, yeah. yeah it, was a, it was the key, the absolute yep. key to success. The continuity of the coaching staff Absolutely. year in, year out. Guys like Pete Beck, Jack Kiefer, Steve Tuttle, Dave Prickett, Kurt, Kurt Snell, and then Lou Snyder was an assistant coach for you the entire time that you were a head coach. That's correct. So talk a little bit about those coaches that you uh, supported yourself with and supported the players with. Yeah, I, I still think that's the key. The game of football is uh, way, way beyond one man coaching them. Uh, there's too many positions. There's too many skills to be taught. Uh, you have to have those people that take their responsibility and really own it and take it on and, and say, I'm going to be the best possible coach I can be at this. And those guys that you named right there all did that. And I trusted them to coach those positions. And uh, uh, then we would put it all together, of course, uh, on the offense, defense, special teams. And uh, I, I think it was uh, the, the winning formula that made it all happen. Well, you guys definitely put it all together. Your final season at Oak Hill in 1981, you went 8-2 and outscored your opponents 273-83. to Captains of that 1981 Oak Hill football team were Toby Drook, Tim Mooneyhan, and Scott Richardson. Now, Coach, over your career at Oak Hill, you coached 22 different players that earned an All-State nomination or were named to the North-South All-Star team and 29 players that went on to play college football. I didn't know that. How does that make you feel? That's great. Yeah. I'm happy for those kids. A lot of guys. Just really happy for those kids. And in 1981, there was so much talent on that team. That year alone, the following play, you had the following players on your roster that either earned All-State or North-South awards at some point in their high school football career. That would be Greg Anderson, Jay Shepard, Champ Dedimore, Brian Cunningham, Alan Henderson, John Rowe, and Dave Spargo. Quite a collection of talent. We've had Dave Spargo on the show, and he talked about their junior year in 1981 and all the talent that that group had and what they were building for that 1982 pivotal season where it was state championship or bust. And he talked about they anticipated going to state with Coach Law. So talk to us about the decision that you made after that 1981 season to take the fantastic opportunity that was the head coaching position at Taylor University. 
Yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me if you had that do over again, would you would you uh, would you change it? And absolutely not. Uh, I had uh, pretty much run the course with me at Oak Hill. Uh, I had, that was a great group of kids. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to mention the kid. Uh, Greg Anderson's the best receiver I ever coached at any level. That kid could catch a football if you got it within 10 yards of him. And a bunch of those kids, John Rowe, uh, best running back I ever coached. Uh, just uh, fantastic talent. Uh, we, we probably should have uh, uh, done a better job uh, with him as a junior. We, we learned a lot. Uh, I think Champ grew up because of the uh, and became the quarterback that he did because of the uh, uh, typical New Valley loss that we had that year. But uh, uh, I knew the athletic director and track coach at uh, Taylor. I had competed against him at high school. He had been over uh, at Oak Hill many, many times and supervising student teachers that I had. His name was George Glass, really a great guy. And um, he had mentioned to me the year before, Jim, would you be interested in being our football coach? And uh, uh, he was wanting me to come over. My, that would have been those kids' junior year uh, and be an assistant and then move up to the varsity. And I wasn't about to do that. I'd always had it in the back of my mind. It had been fun to try to coach at the college level, just the challenge of it, to see what it could be. And then for me to have that opportunity at a Christian university, uh, at that point in my career, I don't think I would have even considered any other job. The Lord put that in my pocket at that point. And I knew that if I didn't take that job that year, it was not going to be there after that. Sure. And it gave me a, a, a spark, a, a new challenge uh, to uh, do something that I in the back of my mind kind of always thought I wanted to try. You know, you always want to see if you can coach against uh, the next level of uh, that's going on. I never had any desire to go anything above that level. Uh, you go above that level and the game owns you. And I wasn't going to do that to my family, my wife, my kids. And uh, so uh, that... Uh, the hardest day, one of the hardest days I've ever had in my life was when I walked out of Oak Hill High School and unbeknownst to me, the administration and teachers, uh, I came up the, that back hallway and up those stairs into the commons and right at the door, Champ was standing there. He said, Coach, we're sure going to miss you. And I opened that door and the entire student body was lying in the hall going out to where I parked my car. Wow. Cheering for me. Phew. So this, I, I choke up to this day. I held it together till I got in the car and I cried all the way to Taylor University because I loved those kids so much. And so I, I've said over and over, there's only two people in the world that thought I made a good decision that day, and that was me and the Lord. <laughs> but my wife was very supportive of me. And... Uh, so, and as it worked out, I think it was. Yeah, we'll talk about the success that you had at Taylor because it did prove to be the right decision for you. You won a lot of games at Oak Hill. Just to put a bookend on your time at Oak Hill High School, you had a lot of success on the field. I think what a lot of people will talk about is the success you had eternally 
and starting the FCA chapter. So talk about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes chapter that you started at Oak Hill. I think the Lord does those things. I don't, I don't think I did that. Uh, he used me as a vessel. But uh, uh, one of the other coaches at that time was Galen Smith. He was the basketball coach. And before that, Dave Huffman was the coach. And Dave said to me one day, Jim, what do you know about the FCA? Never heard of it. Started looking into it and got a hold of what was then the national. Indiana didn't even have a, a huddle. A guy from Farmington, Michigan, came down and talked to me and told me it was a, a, a Christian ministry uh, headed up by usually uh, coaches and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said to him, well, so how, how do we go about doing this? And he goes, you just kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> and I go, okay. <laughs> That's not much guidance. No. <laughs> and so we did. And we didn't just, we, anybody that wanted to be a part of that group, whether they were an athlete or not, were welcome. Uh, we met the, the thing I love about FCA is you're meeting those kids on their level. Mm-hmm. You, they, we're meeting them with sweaty bodies and uh, hurting injuries. And uh, we're, we were doing things that were fun. We were having open gyms. We were, uh, doing summer camps and uh, it just grew. It, it it became the group that you wanted to be a part of if you were a student at Oak Hill. And it, at one time we had three hundred. Wow! And um, uh, I could go on stories and stories and stories about uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It helped mold the Jim Law family, me, my wife, my three boys. Uh, and uh, I am so thrilled that God put that in my path. Yeah, your your legacy is all over the wall at Oak Hill with all the accomplishments that you had as a coach, but the fact that the program, the FCA program, is still alive and well today and succeeding is the ultimate legacy. I know how important that is to you. It so is. I wanted to chat about that. It so. is, very much so. Well, you made the decision to head to Upland, Indiana, and be the next college football coach of Taylor University. In your first three seasons at Taylor, you went 10 and 16 as you were starting to build your program. What were some of the processes that you were working to put into place in the program those first few years? We had to find some athletes. (laughs) 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 That's just plain and simple. I mean, uh, Early on, we we weren't very big, we weren't very strong, we weren't very fast, and and we weren't very aggressive. Okay, <laughs> and that doesn't bode well uh, to put a football team on the on the field that can oh. compete. And uh, that we had great kids. Don't get me wrong; those right. were great kids. Uh, but uh, uh, and I tell this story: uh, Wade Russell, who was uh, uh, a uh, Oak Hill uh, graduate had played for me, uh, went to Purdue on a, a uh, scholarship to uh, put the shot in track, but he wanted to play football and walked on and uh, had done well in uh, all the testing and things, but he wasn't he was standing with his feet on the chalk line, not getting to play. And he came to me uh, uh, 
at the end, really was just about at the end of his sophomore uh, first semester, said, Coach, I'm not going to get a play over there. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can, maybe I can come to Taylor? Well, Wade at that point then was about 6'4 and weighed about 275 and quick and could run. And we didn't have anything even close to that. <laughs> and so he was the beginning of yeah. the building block. I was going to ask you about Wade Russell, who was a former All-State football player at Oak Hill, went to Purdue University and was playing. And you talked about getting better athletes. You went and found one of your former athletes and Wade to come over. So go ahead and talk about how that was a program-shifting transfer and set a standard for the type of players that you wanted to have in your program. Well, he was. Uh, I tell the story when he we got him in at, right at uh, what they called a J term over there so that he would be eligible for the next football season. And he came over during J term, and <laughs> he was sitting in my office. I said, Wade, come here. I want to I, I introduce you to some people. Well, we had a battery of uh, secretaries in the uh, – athletic office down there and had that kind of a area where they all worked. And I, I said, come on down here with me. And I went down I said, Hey ladies, I said, I want you to look at our newest recruit. <laughs> I said, this is Wade Russell. This is support. This is what they're supposed to look like. <laughs> 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 we didn't have it. You know. And, uh, uh, we began to, uh, to get a, a lot better athlete. Yeah. And, um, it took longer than I thought uh, to to get that turned around. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it Taylor is a tough place to coach football for a lot of reasons. It, uh, the spiritual uh, impact the university puts on and expectations of their kids financially. We had no scholarships then, and it was an expensive school. Academically, extremely well thought of. And uh, so uh, a lot of schools we were playing didn't have those kind of uh, restrictions on us. So it, it's a yeah. tough place to, to be successful. Well, your first three years, like you are talking about, were building the program, trying to get the athletes in that you wanted. But the last five years at Taylor University, you went 31-18, and 18, and Taylor University has it documented in their Hall of Fame how your last five years and your coaching career at Taylor set the expectations for Taylor football, that you were going to do things at a high standard. You were going to bring in athletes that could excel in the classroom, could excel spiritually, but then also could excel on the football field. And you had a really special 1988 season where you guys went eight and two with your only two losses coming to NCAA teams. What kind of memories do you have about that 1988 team? You know, the, the, that, that was a, a really good football team. Um, we were competitive even in those those two games that we lost. Uh, and, and, again, it's just back to uh, uh, they began to trust each other. They trusted us as coaches. Uh, they had adapted well to the university and the expectations, and they were very dedicated kids. And uh, I coached uh, uh, some really, really good kids there. A kid running back by the name of Mike Woods was just dynamite. I uh, love that kid to death. And uh, uh, just uh, all in all, uh, the uh, yeah, that was a good football team. Yeah. Well, Coach, you had a fantastic coaching career at Oak Hill and Taylor. You sent, like I said, 29 
players to play college football, and then you coached college football for a number of seasons. You left Oak Hill after that 1981 season to turn around the Taylor University football program and establish them as a team in the NAIA to be reckoned with. You left that program much better than when you got it. So after your retirement from coaching, as we wrap up, what were some of the things that you've been doing the last several decades to keep yourself busy with your family and your hobbies? I never have trouble with that. <laughs> I I was born running, and I'm still do, trying. I just can't as much as I <laughs> can't go near as fast as I used to. But uh, I stayed at the university for another eight years. They were good to me, and I wore three hats. I was in charge of intramurals. I did uh, student teaching supervision and taught a few classes. They were really good to me. And, and after that, uh, I've been blessed, and I think maybe some of the young coaches are missing uh, something that we were able to build at Oak Hill. And I built a—I didn't build it. We built a, a network of friends that are friends for life. The, the, the Phil McCarters, the Pete Becks, uh, and it, it, Phil Jung, and it just goes on and on. Dan Brockler uh, is, a, is really a close friend of mine. He coached on my staff and was so uh, important uh, to what we did. And so I've been able to stay in touch. We've traveled with some of these people, uh, traveled abroad, uh, vacationed all over the, the, the United States, uh, put a group together that every, um, about during the summer times, we'll play uh, any place from eight to ten different golf courses throughout the uh, central Indiana, uh, have breakfast in the morning, play 18 holes of golf, and then eat dinner afterwards and uh just uh that that group of friends uh we were fortunate to be able to uh, spend uh, six six weeks in florida and uh, the, the interesting thing is that a lot of these people that i'm talking about were able to be down there at the same location at the same facility and uh uh i've uh i don't know i I've been, I'm the most blessed man on the face of the earth, Brad. Um, I look back and see God's footprint all over me. Uh, things that I had no idea. Uh, some of the best memories I have, the best memory I have in all of athletics was watching Todd win a state championship with these girls. It beats anything, the thrill of that. It beats anything that I had happened to me as a coach. 2019 Oak Hill Girls yeah, High School Basketball yeah, Championship yeah. team. Yep. And watching that happen and knowing how bad they had, how hard they had worked. and uh, uh, But uh, to have the wife that I have, uh, we're going through some deep waters with her, and she's got some uh, medical issues that are really difficult right now for both of us. But I still feel like the most blessed man in the world. She was such a beautiful lady and still is. And uh, have three sons that are successful in what they have uh, chosen to do. And uh, grandkids and great-grandkids. And, and uh, a church that uh, uh, I taught Sunday school for probably 40 years. Uh, one, of my, one of the accomplishments I was a part of was... Uh, the Nolan King thing that took place at Oak Hill. You may not know, you know about, but Nolan King is Andrew King's youngest son. And he was born with a really, really bad heart. And uh, 
they didn't think they were going to save him. And they finally told he and Jennifer, Andrew and Jennifer, if this boy doesn't get a heart transplant, he's not going to probably see one year old. And the, the, those are expensive things. And so uh, Greg Warnick and I, uh, the challenge was out. Who would like to head up a fundraising program to help fund this for Andrew and Jennifer? And uh, Nolan did Abby's heart transplant. And a year and a half later, through I don't know how many different, uh, different things that we did, this community supported that at the grand total of $200,000. Incredible. And that, that is a thrill to, to be a part of that. And uh, those are the things that, to be honest with you, are <laughs> more important than losing or losing a ball game. Yeah, our viewer or listeners can't see it, but the smiles that you have talking about those stories, so much bigger than some of the wins and losses that we talked about earlier. Well, Coach, final question for you. You've left a, a legacy that's lasting a lifetime for many of your athletes and beyond. What advice would you give to somebody that's a coach right now or that wants to be a coach that loves Jesus and wants to be a successful coach? How do they combine those two? What advice would you give them? Just pour your heart and soul into those kids. You know, that's, uh, there's not a more rewarding uh, profession anywhere. Uh, never been rewarded in dollars and cents. But when one of these former players comes up and say, Coach, you remember, and thank you. And I just had one just yesterday tell me something that just nearly brought tears to my eyes. Mm. And so, you know, my I just think you got to be genuine. And uh, there's not any one way to do it. You can have the quiet guy that just sits on the bench and uh, – and you can have the yeller and the screamer. You can have all in between. That, that, but I think the kids know if you're if you're really genuine, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I would tell them. Just just be yourself. And sometimes we have trouble as as uh, people accepting who God made us individually to be. Uh, that that's a struggle, and I had struggles. I still do. Uh, some of my flaws. I go, but that that's who I am right now, and I've got to correct those. But uh, just be who you are. Well said. Hall of Fame coach Jim Law, thank you so much, Coach, for your time today. It was an incredible conversation and a lot of lessons for anybody listening to follow as they go on with their lives. Thank you, Brad. It's been a privilege.